On our last episode, Francis Ria Scott from Confitex shared his insights on the reusable absorbent hygiene market, including the size of the market and some of the benefits and drawbacks of the current reusable products available. On this episode, Frantisek will share what he thinks is the best solution to overcoming many of the drawbacks of reusable products. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're continuing our conversation with Francis Ekria Scott about reusable absorbent hygiene products. Frantisek will share how and why he thinks fusing the best elements of reusable and single-use products can solve all of the consumer and retailer concerns around reusables and create both an economically and environmentally sustainable future for the market. And I want to touch on those kind of how fusing the traditional non-wovens with reusable technologies can solve those challenges, but I do want to touch on one of the P's that you mentioned, the, the performance P, and I have some questions ruminating in my head, but I'll start with just given the slight differences in technology between traditional disposable hygiene products and the more reusable products, how are reusable products tested? Yeah, that is a very good question. And I think, that, and that's a, one of our key concerns in the industry right now, because the, the reusable category still remains largely unregulated. And setting new standards to measure the real product performance is crucial for better environmental and economical sustainability. Because if the product doesn't perform, as I said before, you'll dispose of it, right? So when the reusable category emerged, there were no testing protocols uh, for reusable underwear or other products. And because of that, reusable brands have been reliant on the 1993 total absorbency protocols, but those were not designed for the reusable category. They were mostly designed for quality assurance purposes during single-use products manufacturing. So, and also in 1993, there were hardly any reusable products on the market. And there is a fundamental flaw in this approach. And as those protocols measure total capacity of the product when it's laid flat. So the product is measured dry, they measure the weight of the product in dry state then submerge in a liquid then they drip it for a bit and then they measure the product in a 40 bed state. And then they calculate the total product absorbency. So they do not account for gravity, body movements, body weight pressure, and they do not measure leak proof performance that can be challenged by poor product construction, right? They also don't take into account the fact that reusable products are less effective than single use products absorbing liquids against gravity from the gasset ends of the absorbent area. So this is even more concerning when it comes to incontinence products as urine is less viscous than blood and released in much larger spurts. So the use of total absorbency protocols has also resulted in many brands extending their absorbent technologies from waste to waste so that they can claim higher absorbency levels when in fact only a small portion of the gusset 
is effective uh, when worn. And pool construction means that they, their products often leak from the sides around the legs. I can give you an example. Uh, one product we have tested delivered a total absorbency of 126 mils or 4.26 ounces when it was laid flat. But when we tested for actual baking absorbency in simulated on body, uh, on body conditions, it absorbed only seven and a half mils or quarter of an ounce before it started leaking. So there's huge difference, you know, there's, there's 119 mils difference uh, of that. So, and it equates only to one and a half regular tampons worth of flow. So this underwear would require frequent changes throughout the day. They would increase consumer inconvenience and frustration and adding to laundering costs. The other issue I would say there are also no industry standards for marketing claims. So one brand's medium absorbency product may claim to absorb two tampons worth of, worth of flow, but other brand medium might mean, you know, five to eight tampons worth of flow. And as you can imagine, this can be extremely confusing for the consumer. So aware of these issues, we've been working on a better testing solution for reusable products uh, that would drive better innovation and help to build consumer trust in the category. So over the past five years, we've spent thousands of hours comparing the performance of singles and reusable products at a, at a granular level, looking at each product performance around speed of absorbency, total absorbency and leak proofing, and really understanding the impact of each of these criteria. So in 2018, we partnered with UL Labs in Boston to create a new protocol and design a new testing device in collaboration with them to simulate closer to real life wear. All our products were then tested using this device, uh, which is how we are able to provide our customers with the reassurance of working absorbency measure rather than total absorbency claim. In 2019, new standards were published by Femtech and MESS in collaboration with Hohenstein Labs. We believe these are an alternative to the protocols designed by UL in collaboration with us, but they still don't consider closer anatomical shape of the human body, body weight pressure, body movements during wear and the difference of leak-proof construction that each product technology has. The protocols can actually be more favorable to less superior technologies because they do not yet consider these crucial factors. So new protocols are necessary to create harmonized standards that are relevant to actual working performance to increase the consumer trust in a reusable category. Yeah, it's pretty eye-opening. You know, you mentioned kind of the need to understand the gravitational effect as well as the fit to a body and and things like that. And I, I know at Bostic, we, we do some testing around core, absorbent cores. We do testing around pad attachment adhesives and all that is vital to kind of understanding the actual performance of not just our adhesives, but the absorbent products as a whole. A recent guest we had, Natalia Richard, said kind of similar things that some of the testing being done in the industry that is, I guess, considered standard is kind of falls short because it's, it either measures such a narrow scope of sizes that it doesn't properly extrapolate across different product sizes or it doesn't account for some of the gravitational or, or fit or movement challenges that happen just in normal everyday use of products. And, and so 
it's clear that, you know, not just on, on the reusable or, or, you know, hybrid side, but also the traditional disposable side that there's still a long way to go and, and properly testing products for real life performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, like it's much easier to create testing protocols for quality assurance processes during manufacturing uh, so that you can monitor any changes through the product because it's not worn on the body and it's, that's relatively easy and the science around it is there and, and the protocols are there. But when it comes to consumer relevant harmonized protocols, that's where the challenge begins because construction is, you know, whilst you can get high absorbing materials, but construction has got a huge impact on the product performance. You know, I've seen so many underwear using PU layer, which is fine and performs well, but, but to finish the edges of the gusset area, they stitch through. So and once you stitch through and you can't seal that stitch, you perforate the leak proof barrier. So where's the moisture going to go? It's just going to go through. So then you have to rely on the number of layers that you put. So you're actually so reliant on the uh, absorbent core that it becomes much, much thicker than is actually necessary. Yeah. Just a lot to think about, <laughs> a lot to worry about. But, you know, as you said, those kind of inline or, or directly offline tests are important, but they certainly don't tell the whole story and it's probably behooves brands to not just use those as the end all be all for product performance. And I know Bostic has been beating that drum for a while, but it's, it's not understandably so, but if because of time and, and margins and all that, but if the end goal is for people to not only buy your products, but have a positive experience and then buy them again, it, it's important to make sure that you're testing for all, you know, as many uses and, and kind of situational changes as possible so that consumers are, are having the best possible experience, particularly as you've mentioned a few times when it comes to incontinence products, you know, period products are incredibly important as are baby products, but the stigma around incontinence is so huge worldwide still, despite, you know, the efforts of many different organizations and companies that, you know, any sort of lapse in a product's functionality or performance that could lead to an embarrassing situation for a user is detrimental to someone's well-being. And it's so huge to make sure that products are performing to the best possible level so that people don't have to deal with that and and aren't not just scared away from using a product, but, you know, you hear stories about people being scared away from leaving their house because they don't want to, you know, they can't find a solution to deal with their incontinence. It's It's so important. Absolutely. We have uh, so many stories of, uh, especially men, you know, men faced, uh, men they face incontinence is the first time that they are faced uh, in their, you know, mid fifties or later that they are introduced to a product. And so for them to go to a supermarket to buy a pack of shields or guards, it's incredibly embarrassing. And, and so, so you get the, usually other wives who are buying the products for them. But sometimes we had so many stories, like uh, a guy, he said, Oh my God, you absolutely changed my life. I don't have to creep out in the middle of the night to dispose of, of my used, uh, single use products. I can use your underwear now or our shields and guards. And he said that completely transformed my life. Yeah. You know, so it's getting over the fear of finding a product that actually back for them. And suddenly, you know, they are no, no longer have fear. They don't have a fear to go to the gym because, you know, they are wearing underwear that it looks like a regular underwear rather than having the rustle and discomfort of, uh, of other products. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. I mean, it really can be life changing for for someone to find the right product that you know fits their lifestyle and isn't functional and isn't kind of burdensome to whether it be like you said at the gym or just disposal. It's it's so huge, and you know we've had guests on the show not only on the industry side but also on the consumer side that just they talk about the benefits of finding a product that works and solves their issues and. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's huge. It can't be understated. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I want to come back to the the three P's and the challenges you've talked about and meeting those challenges or how those challenges are being met. And so what is the solution to solving these challenges in, in the other two P's of, of price and practicality to encourage growth and adoption of, of reusable or, or hybrid products? I'll start with the, with the testing. So I think to improve testing protocols, we have actually created a new anatomically correct lab testing device last year that is designed to simulate on-body wear as close as possible to human anatomy. Once a product is placed on the device, it can be tilted from side to side, back to front to simulate body movements such as sitting, crossing legs and walking. It can also test products under body weight pressure when sitting or off body weight pressure when standing. And using this device, we have uh, uh, so far tested more than 200 widely available reusable and single-use absorbent hygiene products for three fundamental performance measures, which we believe are the most important. One is actual working absorbency to the point of leakage, then leaking speed under body weight pressure and capacity to absorb liquid versus uh, its comparative thickness so that you can find out which technology actually is a bit more superior and doesn't have to be as bulky as uh, as other technologies. And we are currently working on a further study to confirm the validity of our testing protocols. We are testing a minimum of 30 units of each product type and style across the whole industry. That is totaling around 6,000 units to test. So you can imagine how extensive that study is. So this will then allow us to finalize our protocols and we aim to work with other leading partners uh, in the industry to get these standards registered with uh, ISO and ASTM as a established harmonized testing protocols for the reusable category. So it's about the protocols, but to me, the triple P challenges, we need to fuse the best elements of reusables and single-use products to create hybrid product solutions that solves all the consumer and retail concerns and creates an economically and environmentally sustainable future. So this has been uh, my team's major focus in 2022. And in order to address pricing, we have managed to achieve, we call it the holy grail in reusable products manufacturing, automated production. Our revolutionary patented product construction means that previously manual manual production steps can now be automated with as high output as 12 to 15,000 units per one production line. So this is getting very closer, closer to the traditional, traditional single-use products. And with production automation, manufacturing can be also done on any continent. This reduces uh, geopolitical risks, any regulatory risks, uh, lessens supply chain costs and increases local product availability. So these all lead to much, much better cost structure 
And with that, uh, better consumer pricing and commercially viable business model for reusables. Automation also allows us to manufacture uh, absorbent nickel products with a thinner profile than before, whilst also achieving increased absorbency, leak-proof performance, and stronger moisture retention. So that's solving the, uh, the second of the three Ps, which is performance. And our initial lab testing has proven that our new generation products, which will be released late in 2023, perform at least as well as traditional single-use or they perform at least as well as comparable traditional single-use menstrual products and light to moderate incontinence pads and liners. And finally, I would say the hybrid solution also addresses the last of the three Ps, which is the practicality. The innovative design and market-leading tech provides many practical advantages for consumers because they are easier to launder reducing a ma major consumer concern. They can be washed at high temperatures and even tumble dried uh, without affecting their performance. Our high absorbing technology reduces the need for frequent underwear changes. We also produce reusable liners, patch shields and guards, and that offer many of the convenience uh, advantages of traditional single-use products, including being easy to change and easy to care. And that is particularly well combined men because men are not easily able to dispose of traditional single-use products in male restrooms because there are no sanitary bins like there are in in female bathrooms yeah yeah and that was that was talked about and and i guess as someone who's never dealt with that was pretty eye-opening when we've talked to some of the consumers out there and yeah it's like you said women usually hopefully are, are able to dispose of of their products in a stall or in a bathroom and, and it's very convenient, but that's, you know, men, have, you know, unfortunately, usually have to walk out of a stall after changing and then put it in some sort of trash can. If there's a trash can in that bathroom and it, as you said, it can be incredibly embarrassing and, you know, not something that, that men really want to do that on top of the stress of having to change in a bathroom and all that other stuff. And so it just adds to the, that stigma. Imagine if there are none, you know, if there are none, yeah. you have to uh, put it in a cereal bag and carry, uh, carry yeah, it back home before yeah. you can dispose of it. So that can be very daunting. The fascinating is the only place in the world I have seen sanitary bins in male restrooms, Japan. Really? Okay. And that would make sense given that, you know, their aging population and their focus on on supporting that aging population. It's, it's no, no secret and talked about many places, but... I guess that would make sense, but it's good to know that they're addressing that. And um, obviously, they're, they're, while they may be, I think they're one of the fastest countries with an aging population, they're not the only one. Uh, and so it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's unfortunate that that's not something that's being rolled out, particularly in some of the, the Western economies like the U.S., Canada, and then Western Europe. Yeah, it was surprising for me. Like, I was shopping in Uniqlo, actually, in Japan, in Tokyo. I went to the, went to the bathroom and I thought, oh my God, there's a sanitary bin. <laughs> Yeah, and even, you know, just small things like that that a company does can be, you know, or, or you know, a place of business does can be such a huge differentiator for, you know, for consumers. You know, if, if you know, say that's uh, someone in the United States were to ha see that and they were dealing with incontinence, a, a man would probably frequent that store a lot and go back and, and that might become their main store because of they have that option to dispose of a product in the stall as opposed to needing to either throw it away outside the stall or take it with them, which is ridiculous. 
Yeah, but adding convenience and practicality certainly helps. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked about the solutions around proper testing, automation, and the practicality aspects that combining kind of non-woven technologies with reusable technologies can bring. And I would imagine, given that many of our listeners are either traditional disposable hygiene product producers or their suppliers, they might be a little concerned when they hear you say these reusable or hybrid products are kind of the way to go and, and are the future and are growing in popularity. And it's no secret, but it might still cause concern for them. So I'm curious, what would you say as someone who is working, succeeding in this new kind of hybrid reusable space to those that see and, and would may tout the benefits of these traditional disposable hygiene products and, you know, in all likelihood would prefer not to see them disappear entirely? I would say don't be afraid of this new reusable technology and category. I think uh, embrace it. Actually, our aim is to work very closely with major multinationals to create economically and environmentally sustainable hybrid solutions. So we already have many hybrid solutions that will be launching in 2023 that are easily adaptable to their product portfolios and will complement rather than replace existing single-use products. I think they are both complementary to each other. So, uh, and we can deliver automated high production output without compromise on performance, but our products are not designed to service uh, the high absorbency needs of the institutional and medical and HK markets. So there will always be place for single-use products. Some consumers will also always prefer single-use products to reusables for the extra convenience of not having have to wash them. So we are not in it to see single-use products disappear. We want to create alternative technology applications that solves the challenges faced by both single-use brands and reusable brands. And I think by working together, we have far better chance of creating technologies that will comply completely with the future regulations. It will revolutionize the industry. And most importantly, I think I'll create a better world for everyone. And if we can combine the performance, price challenges and create a products that actually could be economically even more viable than current single-use products, not only to the consumer, but also to the brands and to retailers, to the whole supply chain. I think that's where the future needs to be. And so that's why I say, don't be afraid of it, embrace it. Yeah, for sure. And as you said, I mean, the industry is moving that way. Consumers are demanding it. Regulations are coming. There's time to make these changes. There's advantages to making these changes. And as you said, disposable products aren't going away entirely. There's still, there's always going to be a market from from one sense to another, whether it's just consumers who want them or absolutely need them for, as you said, the functionality purposes of, of the higher volume insults. But clearly the industry is moving that way. And so I think it would behoove brands to kind of get on board and explore it and see, as you said, what opportunities are out there to meet the needs of not only people looking for functional products, but also looking for more sustainable products. Absolutely. So one, you, you get the one side that is driven by eco-conscious consumer. You have the one side that is driven by the regulatory changes. But I think it's also a huge impact has inflation, right? right? And so inflation is one of the biggest threats to current single-use products. So imagine if we can create the best of both worlds 
and create a product that actually is economically more viable for everyone and actually can potentially create more wealth for the entire industry. That's how we're going to overcome all these issues. And that's how it is attractive to the traditional disposable companies because it's a complementary solution and it can actually increase their revenue. Yeah. Potentially be beneficial for not only consumers, but the industry as a whole. Absolutely. Well, that was all the questions I had. Frantisek, thank you so much for joining the podcast today and sharing your insights, expertise, and experience with producing hybrid absorbent products. I want to thank you for coming on to share and uh, look forward to discussing more with you in the future. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun and it was a pleasure. So there you have it. The last two episodes should have given you a good sense of how you can pursue creating reusable absorbent hygiene products for your customers while still meeting their needs around price, performance, and practicality. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Liz Bruner and Paul Andrews at Bostic and Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernus, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our post-production is done by Podcast Boutique, and our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. Once again, we'd like to extend a special thank you to our guest today, Frantisek Ria Scott. You can follow Frantisek on LinkedIn, and you can learn more about Confitex on their website, confitex.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.